Bear on Bears fans, another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast coming your way. Pat the designer, Courtney Cronin in the building. As always, our uh, insider here at ESPN. Listen, we we finished recording and all of a sudden the world erupts because Jalen Johnson is willing to talk contract with the Chicago Bears again. Got to talk about that. Justin Fields had some interesting comments about his improvement. We'll touch on that. And then special guests joining us to preview this Bears versus Cardinals matchup. All that and more on today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. Hit that like button. Leave that five-star review. Y'all know what to do, man. Drop a bird down in the comments as well. Courtney. Jalen Johnson is uh, is back in on this Bears team, which is interesting to say about, you know, people being back in on this mm-hmm. Bears team. But we had heard from Jalen's people that, right, he's not talking contracts. He's done talking contract with the Bears. All of a sudden, Montez Sweat shows up. We got a few interceptions going the other way. He's back in on talking contracts. What's the latest on this? How did we get back to here? Well, I don't know if he was ever – like off the bears at all. Like I know that when, when the negotiations came to an impasse at the trade deadline and he wasn't able to get a new deal worked out, nor was he able to get traded somewhere. Cause like he requested a trade at the 11th hour um, polls told us he wanted a late first or early second round pick for Jalen Johnson. They didn't get that. Like at that point, that was seven weeks ago. Like yeah. negotiations were tabled for the time being. Now, as we get towards the, end of the season and the off season will kick into high gear in January and the bears. Like a lot of teams don't make contract decisions, like in terms of like doling out extensions, you know, trading for players, signing new players really until we get closer to the new league year. Now he will be a free agent in March. So I wouldn't anticipate unless the bears are going to come in with some big offer that anything would happen until we get to that March time. But like he was asked about this yesterday, starting with, you know, what do you feel? How do you feel about your play? Like, how would you describe the level in which you've played the last couple of months, you know, to put yourself in better position when you get to the negotiating table? And he said, very good. Like kept it, you know, kept it, you know, kept a little bit of get a little bit of guessing room in there too. But we all know that Jalen Johnson has benefited from the the entire defense, the arrival of Montez sweat and two of those four interceptions that he had has the season came after Montez sweat got here. Jalen Johnson has played his way into a bigger contract. It's just going to matter. Like do the bears franchise tag him? Do they use a transition tag? They can only use one or the other. And if they do that, are they able to work out that long-term extension with Jalen Johnson before the July 2024 deadline, or is he going to play on the tag for one year? Um, I think, you know, from him, like, of course, like, this came up because he was asked about it. It's not like he was, you know, he he's awesome. Like, he we love talking to him. Like, yeah, like, and that's, and that's just, <laughs> you know, for context sake, this is something that he was asked about. But, you know, I did think it was interesting that he said, you know, if the Bears came in with a great offer, he wants to stay here. He's never said anything to the contrary. He's always said that he wants to be a Chicago Bear first and foremost. But when the trade deadline came and, and he, that nothing worked out in his favor, you have to for like you'd be shooting yourself in the foot if you if you just said no, I want to stay here because you're and then you're going to take whatever their offer is on the table. Like he's do he was doing and he still is doing right by himself by making sure that you listen to everything. But I do think that it was. Kind of eye-opening when he said, you know, if the Bears came in 
with an offer that was like to his liking, he wouldn't need to hear other qualifying offers. He said he'd be good. Those are his words. Uh, if he got the type of offer he wants from the Bears because he likes what they're building here. He feels like he sees this thing going in the right direction. And defensively, um, like, you know, there's there's a lot to be happy about. If you are a player in this defense realizing Jalen Johnson is going to be in year five of his NFL career, potentially with an extension on the table from the Bears. Then you have two other young corners that they are building around. The only question mark in the secondary right now is what they do with Eddie Jackson and potentially moving on from him. But you have a solidified group back there, a solidified group of linebackers, and they're going to continue to add to the pass rush because they have to in the offseason. You think about how much salary cap space they have. Like, what's not to like if you're a defensive player when you can see all of those things come together? So I think that that's what I took from Jalen Johnson as far as, you know, he never – but he's never said he wanted to go anywhere else. Like, so yeah. people are like, oh, my gosh, he wants to all of a sudden like stay with the Bears. No, like that's what he's told us all along. It's just that he's not going to take just any old number. He's played like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL this season because he's proven that he can – do what he hasn't done throughout the other parts of his career and get the interception numbers and, you know, add to his tool set in the sense of, you know, doing everything that's required for this defense to be successful, which is the takeaways, so the forced fumbles, the interceptions, all of those things that he now has on his resume, that's only going to help him. And if he continues to get a couple more interceptions, like hell, he should have more than four. He knows that he should have had one. In Minnesota, he should have, he should have one going into this right now. Yeah, it should be like six, potentially even seven, if you know those two came together for him in Detroit. Um, but he's in a really good spot, I think, mentally and you know physically, certainly, but also like in terms of contract negotiations. Like he seems like he's he's in the driver's seat for what's going to happen here. But the team can still use the franchise tag. That's just one thing I want to put out there because that yeah. deadline is in in February, I believe, to tag a player. Um, so, you know, if they're March, so that they're going to have to do that in order to, you know, potentially, you know, they have to use a tag on, I think they will use a tag on somebody. They don't have to, but I do think because they do have a bunch of contract extension candidates that it's probably their easiest path towards business, you know, what they're, how they're going to conduct their business this off season. And that may end up going to him. It may end up going to somebody else. And I guess here's the question now with Jalen Johnson, right? Like, is this reset the market type of deal that he's looking mm-hmm. for here? Because we had heard before, right before he had the interception numbers, it was basically like, all right, I'm good. You know, I feel, you know, good about if they come in with a modest number, boom, we're good to go. Mm-hmm. I think his value, he thought was a lot higher. He went around the NFL. Other teams kind of were like, I, that that price tag's a little high for us. We probably wouldn't trade for you on that, knowing we have to give something up. Is Jalen Johnson going to be the next guy? I mean, a top-paid cornerback uh, in the league right now, I believe, is Jair Alexander at $21 million. Is he resetting uh, – $21 million annually, I should say. Is he mm-hmm. resetting the market with a deal that the Bears are going to have to pay him? I don't know. I think he'll I think he'll be in, like, the top 10 range for sure. I don't know if he'll reset the market. Um Consistently, have they seen it? No, they saw it, but like that's not also what's been asked of him. He's a lock that he's he was a shadow number one receiver. (laughs) Yeah, like and that's you know, I don't know if they, I don't know. You're paying contract like the way contracts work is that you're paying off of past production, expecting that that's future production too. Can that be the case for Jalen Johnson? Absolutely. But one thing they have to factor in here: who's going to be? 
we don't know who the head coach of this team is. Like, in theory, it should be Matt Eberflus. He's still under contract, but, it, you know, it, what's yeah. the defense going to look like? Well, yeah. Seriously, that's something that Ryan Poles in the front office, when they get to that po- like point of their, you know, their long to-do list, because Jalen Johnson is high up there, but it's not number one priority. Number one priority for them after week 18 is Flus staying, is Flus going? Because if yeah. he goes and then and they're in a different defense next year, how does that affect things? Like that's yeah. a necessary element that has to be discussed when talking about like, you know, the, the projection for Jalen Johnson beyond the season. But I'll say this to kind of put a bow on it. He's done everything he needed to do. He has played his part in this, I think, admirably because he didn't get the extension during the off season. He still showed up for OTAs. He, uh, you know, he showed showed up at the end of OTAs. He wasn't there the first part, but he was there for minicamp. He never missed anything that he really didn't like needed to be here for. He part, you know, was great during training camp. Like said, I'm just going to play this season. I'm going to bet on myself. He bet on himself, and he should be betting that he's going to get a nice, sizable deal down the line at some point. But you know, he also has played like. I've heard him on radio interviews talking about the franchise tag, like money is money. He's still getting yep. paid at the end of the day. That's a, you know, a pretty, like, cause it's, a, it's not, it's not it's top of the green. line money, but it's, it's, you know, 18.4 million is the estimated amount for the franchise tag next year for cornerbacks. Yeah. Like, and then they still could have the chance to work out a long-term deal beyond that. Just because you get franchise tag doesn't mean that it's the one year guaranteed deal and you're gone. Yeah. Like, Sometimes we do see deals get worked out where guys don't have to play on the tag, but that's one that, you know, has a, it's not just Jalen Johnson kind of like for Justin Fields. It's not just Justin Fields. There's so many, like the decision that they're going to make keep or stay, you know, do they keep them and do they stay or do they move the, these players or like just not bring them back. It's all dependent on other elements that they don't have control in, which, you know, for Fields is the number one overall pick and what the, like it's looking like in that respect. And then for Jalen Johnson, it's the coaching staff, too. Like that's Those things play into their negotiations. No, 100%. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. He's going to have an interesting matchup this week with uh, Kyler Murray coming to town. I mean, that's a that's a tough guy to have to defend. We want to figure out what's going on with the Cardinals, and so to do that, going to bring in published author, motivational speaker, member of the 1998 NFC champion Atlanta Falcons, co-host of the Easy Sports Talk Show on 1060 AM in Phoenix, and host of the Believe Podcast, Believe in Arizona Cardinals podcast, Ed Smith. Ed, what's going on? Hey, Pat, Courtney, appreciate you guys having me on. And before I even start, Courtney, I love watching you on Around the Horn. Thank you. I I appreciate that. Thanks so much, Ed. And thank you for joining us. I know that you guys are, you know, it's a busy season for everybody, but we appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate you having me. Man, I I think we got to start here, right? Uh, the Cardinals in a very interesting situation uh, with their quarterback, just like the Bears are in an interesting situation with our quarterback, right? But I think with the Cardinals, it's a little bit different because we have seen some really good moments out of Kyler Murray and, and some really good production with him kind of working himself back in, heading into this game in Chicago. What's kind of at stake for him? Like, what's the biggest question around him as he heads into this game? Well, you know, I think he's still auditioning, not just for the Cardinals, but for other teams out there, because anybody who tells you here or anywhere else that they know what the front office is thinking as far as Kyler Murray, they're they're lying to you. Uh, yeah. Right now, it's a big mystery. You know, he's coming off the ACL. Uh, we, you know, we've seen him come back to this team, 
but there's so many factors. There's the contract he signed. There's, you know, does he fit this offense? There's been the leadership questions about, you know, he's got all the talent in the world, but is he a leader on the field, in the locker room? And this is something that, you know, the front office, they're saying all the right things. What are they supposed to say? You know, Kyle's done everything we've asked him to do, and he's our guy, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We all know it's not going to, you know, when it, it's going to hit the road, the rubber's going to hit the road after the season's done. They start getting phone calls. We get closer to the draft. You know, I, I just, you know, and I know Kyler feels that as well. He's tried to be on his best behavior, but he's also trying to, you know, win over a, a front office and, and coaching staff that did not draft him. They did not give him that extension. Yeah. So there's so many factors. And, you know, so far, so okay. I mean, there hasn't been anything great on the field, uh, but, he, you know, we've seen that he's, you know, back to – somewhat of his old self is going to take a little bit of time because anybody who's going through those knee injuries is not when you come back. It's that second, you know, when you, the, the, the next season, when you're yeah. kind of hitting your stride again. So in any, the, the other thing to factor in, he's working with zero talent here mm-hmm. uh, on this roster. They stripped it down to the bone and true. you know, he's got, you know, he's doing what he can with what he has uh, a lot of questions still to be answered. And, you know, he's got a couple games to, like I said, audition for everybody. That sounds familiar to a situation that Justin Fields walked into in Chicago with a new front office and new coaching staff coming in last year, and he's had to win them over. And I guess we'll see if if he has indeed done that by the time this season ends and they make decisions in the offseason. A lot of parallels between these yeah. two teams, but that's like the point. When they stripped their roster down during the offseason, we all knew that like given where they were in the draft and what they were building towards that 2023 was going to be the get back on track year, or at least get, get the train on the track so it can then get pushed off out of the gates in 2024. What improvements have they made though? Like big picture, when you take a look at this team that has three wins right now, the win against Dallas, maybe an anomaly, maybe not, but a good win that they can hang their hat on this season in a year that hasn't had a lot of them. Where have you seen this team make like significant strides of growth that may, that are going to benefit them in 2024. I would say the culture, Courtney, and the, the competitiveness on the field. We went a few years ago, we had Steve Wilkes as our coach. They went out and drafted Rosen. There were times when this team looked absolutely pathetic. And I know mm-hmm. you guys go through that from time to time as well. And it was hard to watch. I mean, you could yeah. almost see guys out on the field making those business decisions and dare I say, quitting from time to time, that was a total wash. And then, you know, you come into this season, and I kind of warned everybody early, it's not going to be about the wins and the losses. It's going to be how this team looks on the field, how they're carrying themselves. And so far, you know, even though they stripped it down, the team is at least when they're not so overly matched, like by, you know, when you're facing a, a San Francisco 49ers team that's rolling on all, you know, on all points you're not expected to necessarily be in that game, but you could tell guys were out there at least still fighting yeah. up until the last whistle. And that for me has been encouraging. It's not the wins and the losses. It's the fact that early in the season, you know, we had Josh Dobbs as our quarterback. We're scraping, we're scrapping in, you know, had the Giants by 20 points at the half. We end up figuring out a way to lose that one. But then you, you know, you beat the Dallas Cowboys. You stay in some of these games. And like I said, you just, find out what is in some of the hearts of these players and the fact that these, you know, the, the Gannon, they went out and got some guys that I think are, you know, not necessarily top talent, but at least 
they they're they're out there working their tails off and that's the thing that for me has been the most encouraging and and hopefully that continues to move forward and they did make some changes as far as rules in the building as well during training camp no bringing food into the lock you know into the meetings etc cetera, etc cetera. those are those are small things that make a big uh, deal when you're trying to create something from scratch yeah i mean listen it, it's it's definitely been uh, scraping and just trying to find something to remain consistent there. I do think that one thing that they have found, though, that has shown a little bit of consistency to me is Trey McBride. Oh, He's yeah. been somebody who, I mean, like, he seems like he is a safety blanket for Kyler Murray when he needs him to do anything. Seems like he could be trending towards being one of the top tight ends in this league. Uh, uh, Drew Petzing, the OC, said the sky's the limit for this young man, when you watch Trey McBride, to me, he's the one person outside of everybody on the Cardinals that scares me the most, especially coming off a week where David Njoku basically gets Justin Jones covering him for an easy play. When you see how Trey McBride has grown, does that give you a little bit of hope that this offense may be moving in the right direction, that this team offensively may be moving in the right direction? Absolutely. And he, you know, it's a nice surprise too. You know, they brought Zach Ertz in here thinking he could be, a, you know, like a little band aid and maybe guide uh, Trey after they drafted him last year. And lo and behold, the injury to Ertz turned out to be a blessing in disguise because you got a chance to throw Trey out there and see what he could do. And oh my goodness, as a fellow tight end, I love watching what he's doing. And, you know, the, the, the thing you have to worry about a little bit is he's almost become too much of a security blanket for yep. Kyler, you know, 10, 12 targets, 13 targets. Our wide receivers are basically just standing out there collecting paychecks right now. You know, <laughs> so we what we got to do, we got to incorporate others around Trey. Uh, but you know, that comes with getting the talent as well. We're not really what you call uber talented out there on the outside. But what Trey has done has been just such a great surprise. And, you know, all, you know, he's put all the work in too. You know, we had the, I guess, I don't know, the privilege or uh, whatever to watch Hard Knocks last year, the in-season <laughs> version. And it was, man, it was a lot of dysfunction going on there. But to see him come through that and see what he's doing now and the potential, like I said, oh, now you got to start stacking pieces around him. You got to shore up the offensive line. Yeah. Get some, you know, running back, and we got we got all kind of holes to fill. That tight end spot looks like it's uh, being managed re very well right now. What do you make of those targets going there, though? And I know you were talking about the lack of, you know, really the lack of talent that they have and the injury concerns at the wide receiver position. No Hollywood Brown last week. Maybe they shut him down at some point soon. But four targets for Higgins. Uh, 10, I believe, for Trey McBride. And that was eight the previous week against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. Like, is that more of an indictment on the wide receiver room that they have for Kyler Murray in Arizona? Because to me, this seems like it's pointing towards go get Marvin Harrison Jr. where you're drafting in 2024 to be able to give Kyler Murray or whoever's going to be the quarterback there more than just tight end targets that you can rely on on a consistent basis. I mean, that's that's it in a nutshell, Courtney. I think, you know, the 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 lack of weapons on the outside, you know, we we have, you know, Marquise Brown, you know, a couple other guys, decent talent, but you, you nowhere near number ones out there. And, you know, I, I think what they've done and maybe the game plan has been geared toward a lot of underneath stuff and get that out of your hands, Kyler, because one, there's still that injury worry. You know, you don't want Kyler coming down the stretch here and getting nicked in any way. And a lot of you, if you watch and you'll see it this weekend, 
A lot of our passing attack is dink, dunk, outside, get it out of his hands. He's not stepping back, and there's not a whole lot of seven-step drop, you know, get it down the field. A lot of it is, uh, you know, middle of the field, over the ball, out to the sidelines, and that's great for a tight end, you know. So a lot of it is design, and some of it might be worry about, you know, hey, we don't need to be, you know, stretching him out that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, like I said, for whatever – uh, whatever the reason is, it's great that he's getting that experience now because as we continue to build this team, he, he's already a piece that's already in place, and they just have to figure out a way to incorporate other things around him. Now, I got to ask you, right, because you're getting to see a very similar situation with the quarterback that we have here, uh, and we were going to break down kind of Justin Fields' comments. He talked about how he feels like he's improved this season from last season, moving in the right direction. When you see him kind of looking at him from afar on the national eye and somebody who's played this game before, um, what do you see in Justin Fields? Do you feel like he's improving? Do you feel like he can be a successful long-term quarterback in the NFL? I, I, I oh God, I, it looks like he's improving, Pat, but it doesn't look like he's making those leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And in this stage of his career, you know, three, four years in, you're thinking, I got to see a little more than what I'm seeing. And, you know, and the other part of it is maybe he's just not in the right offense. Maybe they're not utilizing him to the best of their of his ability. And for the organization, you have to make a decision. Do we cater the, the, the offense around him and maybe give him a second chance? Or do we go find somebody who might be a better fit for what we're trying to do here? Me personally, I, I think he would be dynamic in a couple other offenses around the league with, with some of the weapons they have. I, one that jumps into my head, and I was just over in Atlanta for a little celebration of our 25th anniversary of the uh, uh, Dirty Birds. But that organization, with all the talent they have there, you throw that quarterback in there, that could be just unbelievably, you know, a special thing. But, you know, I, I, I like when they, when, he, when they allow him to freelance a little more and run the ball, yeah. I think he's at his best. What I, what my problem with, with Justin is he still does not look like he's seeing the entire field and being able to go progression like, you know, one two, three, dump off. And he seems like he's always in panic mode yeah. and, and, you know, maybe reading one side of the field and one side only or one read, and then it's, you know, I got to get out of here. It doesn't look like he's comfortable in the pocket. And at this stage, you would think you'd see a little more of that, especially when you look at, you know, you compare him, to, you know, C.J. Stroud just in the league, yeah. and you watch him orchestrate and, and manage an offense and, you know, read and do the things that he's supposed to do. It, you know, makes it a little tough to grade Justin because, like I say, he's been around a lot longer than some of these younger quarterbacks, and still not still doesn't feel like he's quite getting it. Yeah, hold on, not it, not it. Saying uh, I, I don't know if he's good enough, but I got this team that I used to play for that could really work out. <laughs> I mean, that's that's going to come up next week when we talk about the Atlanta oh, Falcons yeah. and all of the parallels oh, and whether Justin's going to end up being down there next year <laughs> if he gets traded. Who knows? I mean, there's still a lot of time before something like that could happen. I, I wanted to jump back on the 49ers game from this past week because. Yes, the Niners were down defensively. No Eric Armstead, no Javon Hargrave, but this is a Cardinals team that put up its season high in points, rushing yards, and total yards. Like to rush for over 200 yards on a 49ers defense that I don't believe had allowed over 200 yards to a single opponent in the run game in you know maybe four or five seasons 
Is that a formula that they anticipate using against the Chicago Bears? Because like the 49ers, the Bears have a stout run defense, and they don't have those injury issues up front that the Niners were dealing with last week. I thought some of the stats from last week were a little inflated because at no point in that game did San Francisco feel any angst from the Cardinals, even when Mm -hmm. they gave a couple of those big runs and stuff like that. I think it was kind of circumstantial where they took their – foot off the pedal a little bit and because you saw they got gassed a couple of those big runs and it was like they had dudes in the hole to make the tackle miss tackle next thing you know somebody's running for 56 yards down the field and i just like i said i think it was one of those situations where i'm not necessarily saying they knew they had it in the bag but they might have let a couple plays get away from them now for the cardinals they can try to build on that because you know as a head coach you're trying to take any positive especially in a three and eleven season and kind of build on that so for them, you know, hey, they're going to pull those plays up and this is what we need to do this week to, you know, try to get after the Bears. And, you know, they'll, it's, you know, it's, it, they'll figure out a way to incorporate that. But, you know, as far as San Francisco, I, I'm not saying they were toying or playing. It was a new thing, playing with their food. They just got to let a couple plays get away from them. And, you know, it's good. Like I said, the Cardinals need every type of positive you can imagine going into this game and every other game to finish the season. But it was good to see them. Uh, get that running game going. Where Where is kind of the mindset of the organization right now? Because I think about right with the Bears here last year, Ryan Pohl showed up and he basically was like, oh, you're talented. You don't play here no more. You're talented. You don't play here no more. <laughs> we are stripping this down. We're going to lose. Cardinals are at three wins right now. Draft positioning on every win is going the wrong direction. And you know the future of this team could be a part of this draft. Does it feel like the organization is kind of starting to go, right, like, okay, guys are getting banged up. Maybe we're just going to start sitting guys out. Or does it feel like this team is still focused on going out, competing, fighting every single game, and trying to build some kind of winning culture here over the next three weeks? That's a great question, Pat. For me, you know, and this is at every level, everybody has their own ulterior motives. So Mm -hmm. the front office, they are – looking and hoping, hey, it wouldn't be bad if we lost a couple more down the stretch, but we'd also like to see them be competitive on the field. So we don't necessarily want to sneak. That win against Pittsburgh last or a couple weeks ago, I mean, I'm they're, they're sitting there like, doggone it, you know. But, but <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a good thing. You know, you got to win. You just didn't gas yourself too bad at the coaching level and the player level, especially the player level. Any dude that tells you he's out there tanking, then, you know, he should be turning his paycheck in at the end of every week because there's no such thing. You're playing not just for that team you're playing for now, putting tape out there, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the front office, I'm sure they would like to see the Cardinals go out there, be competitive, uh, you know, see what you can get out of Murray. He's auditioning, as I mentioned. And then it wouldn't be the worst thing to lose a 20 to 19 game, you know, that type of thing. Um, at the same time, like I said, all the other all the other entities they're out there trying to ball out and and win these games. So you know the the, the formula right now: go out there, do your thing. Just don't do it too well where we're sliding down the draft board. And the, you got to remember too, we have that Houston pick. Which, mm-hmm. You know that was at the beginning of the season. That was going to be like, wow, we might be stacked at the top. You know, <laughs> two picks in the first five. Now that pick is down to seventeen, I think. So every and they're fighting for playoff. Uh, you know, bursts and stuff like that. So, you know, that pick might just continue to creep up. So your pick, the one we have in hand, hey, do whatever you can to play well, but don't mess that up. 
defensively, like let's focus on that side because Jonathan Gannon is a defensive guy. He and Matt Eberflus have, you know, long ties together from their Indianapolis days. Like, I, I don't know what to think of this defense because when we talk about, you know, a team stripped of talent, that affects the other side of the ball as much as it does offensively. But like, there's still Buda Baker, but, you know, his season has been such a roller coaster, too. Like, are there any. Like who who who's is a guarantee this person's gonna be on the team next year, like on the defensive side of the ball. The edge position seems like maybe the biggest takeaway, but you have a cornerback group that is depleted of talent and experience, you know, along the defensive line that was supposed to be a bright spot. It's not. How do they go about their defensive priorities knowing that they have a lot of spots to fill? Exactly. Just like that, Courtney, they're gonna be looking draft and free agency this coming season are gonna be huge for this team on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, every week I do these, you know, and people ask, well, how do you attack the Cardinals? I'm like, however you want to. We, <laughs> you know, we don't have the, the 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 horses up front to get after a quarterback. We don't have the guys in the secondary to cover uh, in, in, you know, these elaborate offensive schemes. So, you know, you're forced to either throw everything but the kitchen sink at the offense, you know, trying to get extra guys up there, you know, bring and boot it down into the, uh, the you know, into the, the, the pocket and stuff like that. And at the same time, you're exposing that just young and inexperienced and banged up secondary. So, you know, it wasn't too long ago we had uh, J.J. Watt, uh, mm-hmm. Chandler Jones. I mean, you can run down the list of guys that we had. And, the, the you know, the plan was, hey, we're going to let some guys go. We're going to start this thing from scratch. And that's primarily what they've done. And you have to take your lumps when you do something like that. And now it does become – very important to, you know, immediately start building uh, at these positions. As far as, you know, Buddha, he does everything he can. But, you know, when it, I always tell people if your safety is your, the most important guy on your defense that and he's making all the tackles, there's two things going on. Either he's making a whole lot of tackles in the secondary or you're running them up there to the line of scrimmage in the box. And neither one of those is good, you know, but Buddha does what he can when he can with, with this team, they just don't have a lot. And, you know, it's, it's funny. You'd think one side of the ball would be more, you know, like we got this one figured out. We just got to go. Now nah, they got a whole lot of work to do mm-hmm. on all sides or both sides of the ball, special teams included. We just don't have a lot in the cabinet uh, here in Arizona right now. Ed, when you look at what's coming up here this Sunday, I mean, 325 game, um, two teams that are both well below 500. I don't know uh, who looked on the schedule and thought this was going to be a good <laughs> idea for the national national game, right? But when you look at this game, what's your expectation of what we're going to see Sunday? Oh, a lot of the same, Pat. I, you know, it, this this could be one of two things. It could be a really exciting game where both teams just come out, and I've been waiting for the Cardinals to do it. When you have nothing to lose, you should play like you have nothing to lose, you know? We should have some gadgets to throw out there. We should be throwing the ball up the field, you know, getting it, you know, just making an exciting game. But from time to time, it looks very, you know, bland and vanilla from our side. But, you know, and then it could be one of those games where both both teams are just fumbling and bumbling up the, up the field. What I'm hoping for is Cardinals come to play, bring their A game, throw it, you know, get the ball up the field, bring the running game, et cetera, et cetera. It's just, like I said, when you're three and 11, I think you guys are five and whatever. Five and nine. Five and nine. You know, there's only so many ways you can pump this one up, you know? So I'm, I'm just hoping for, you know, my, my, my philosophy is I got multiple TV set, 
you know, deal here in the house. So I'll be peeking at this one and watching a whole lot of other stuff. And maybe I'll be pleasantly surprised along the way. You're doing like me. I got the YouTube TV. I got the Bears on the <laughs> big screen, job. but I got like my great other job. TV over here with five other games going on. At that that multi-view is a beautiful thing, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> it's the greatest thing that's ever been invented. They just need to make it so I can pick the game. I always got that one game in the corner. Exactly. Why am I watching like the the Raiders? Well, I can't say the Raiders no more. They've been competitive the last few games. Yeah. Uh, Ed, appreciate you jumping on the show with us, man. Appreciate you uh, working with us. Let the people know uh, what you have coming up and uh, where they can find you at. Hey, my pleasure, man, and happy holidays to you guys and all your listeners. Um, I do the Easy Sports Talk show every Saturday from one to three, and we actually went national not too long ago. So we're across oh, yeah. the board. Go to Sports Map. Uh, dot com. That's our uh, major affiliate. You know, we're in 35 states, 98 affiliates across the country. Uh, we do the podcast, uh, the Believe in the Cardinals podcast. Uh, you go to wherever you catch your podcast or go to Believe, B-L-E-A-V dot com. You can catch us there. And we also do the Easy Sports Talk show uh, podcast throughout the week and go to our uh, Facebook page because we simulcast everything on Easy Sports Talk show as well. So you guys do a great job, man. And once again, I'll be checking you out every chance you, uh, every time you're on there, Courtney. I love what you do on uh, Around the Horn. Thanks and so great, much. great to meet you, Pat. Absolutely amazing to have you on. Great to meet you as well. For Ed and Courtney Cronin, I'm Pat the Designer. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Let's see if this Bears team can go out here and beat the Cardinals. Uh, and it's probably hoping for the other direction, but I need, <laughs> I need some wins in my life. I hate sitting here talking about losses, man. It, it, it's, it's sad. Uh, Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. One love. Peace. <laughs>